said her name. It is a great honor and a great joy to be here with you um, this morning as we turn to God's Word. So if you do have your Bible with you, I want to, again, encourage you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, um, verses 1 through 6. Um, that is our text for this morning. Um, please follow along as I read. Um, this is God's Word. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test these spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord, asking for your help, Lord. God, I pray that I, I speak clearly your truths, Lord, and I pray um, for those who are listening, Lord, that, that you would open their hearts, open their minds, Lord, to be able to understand, Lord, to, to desire you, Lord. Um, we, we ask for your help this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. When you hear the word counterfeit, what is the first thing that pops in your mind? What is the first thing that comes in your mind? Maybe, maybe you think about a fake purse or, or maybe a fake watch, a fake outfit, right? A counterfeit designer outfit or, or maybe money. Uh, in its simplest terms, counterfeit is, means to imitate something that is authentic. You see, the primary intention of something counterfeit is to deceive someone into thinking that something is real when it is not. I remember before I had my first credit card, I, everything I bought with, I paid with cash. And, and I remember going to the store, and every once in a while, the cashier would, would take the, dollar, the bill I was playing, playing with and raise it up to the light. Or they would run like a, like a highlighter through it. And they were doing this to try to figure out if the, the bill I was using was real or not, if it was counterfeit, right? They were trying to figure out something that would tip them off to the authenticity of this bill. And in our passage today, John is doing something similar here. He, he's trying to help his readers identify the difference between the spirit of God and the spirit of the Antichrist, the counterfeit spirit. The spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And now, why is this important? Well, it's important because being deceived would mean to be out of fellowship with God and all the other brothers and, and sisters. It would mean to miss out on all the blessings that God has for them. And so John wants to reassure his readers that the Spirit of God is knowable, that it is discernible, and that they can have confidence that they're not being deceived. You see, in this letter... John sets out three tests. Jason spoke about this a little bit last week. But John has set out three tests to let you know these are the genuine, uh, if you're a true Christian or not. The first test John sets out is that test of obedience. If you look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, it says, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. And then a little bit lower in verse 6, he says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You see, what John is saying here is, Christian, do you want to know that you know God, that you are in God, that you're in the light? Are you obedient to his commands? Are you following his laws? This, this is one way of knowing. 
And then John sets out a second test, a, a social test, a test of loving one another. Look at with me at 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. You see, love for God results in love for the brothers, for the brethren. And this really isn't something new because Jesus actually said something similar to this, didn't he? In John chapter 13, Jesus said, A new command I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all the people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So again, John is saying, do you want to know that you're in Christ? Do you want to know that you're in the light? Do you love one another? This is another way of knowing. And then John sets out a third test, a doctrinal test, a test of belief. And in 1 John chapter 2, 21, he says, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. And then in verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. See, this is important. There was this message that they had been taught from the very moment they placed their trust in Christ. This message had been presented, approved, and confirmed by the witness of the apostles and the Holy Spirit. And it was this message that they were to accept and not deviate from. They were to believe it fully and thus confirm that they were in the truth and that the Spirit of God was actually in them. And so he says again, Christian, do you want to know that you're in God, that you have come to know God? He says, are you holding on to the truth that you were taught? This gospel message, this, this good news. And so we see here that obedience to God, love for one another, and doctrinal truths were signs they, they were evidence or assurances that they had actually come to know God and that they were actually in the light. And as you read through 1 John, John goes on to elaborate on all three of these tests. And in our passage today, John is focusing on the third test, the doctrinal test, the test of belief. Because John wants his readers to know that we can discern between the spirits. We can discern between the spirit of God and the spirit of the Antichrist through its confessing, through its message of Jesus Christ. And so in our passage today, we're going to take three steps. We're going to take three steps in discerning between the spirit of God and the spirit of Antichrist. And we will see that it's not only the message, but also those that are listening and accepting this message that give evidence to which spirit is actually at work here. And so let's begin with step one. The step one is command, the command to test the spirits. So look with me at verse one. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. As we read First John, it's easy to see that John wants to encourage his readers. He wants to reassure them. In the midst of many different voices, um, and confusion that threatened to divide the church, John wants them to know that they act, actually have come to know God and that they have been taught the truth, the, the very truth of God. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-3, through 3, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it. 
And he says, and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. I mean, what John is saying here is, hey, what we're saying is that us apostles, we are firsthand witness to everything that we're saying. We, we walked with Jesus. We talked with Jesus. We saw him heal lepers. We saw him give uh, sight to the blind, raise the dead. We saw when they crucified him and when he rose again. We were there when he arose and ascended to heaven. And, and John is saying what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched, that's what we're proclaiming to you. I mean, what better evidence is there than from a first-hand witness who was actually there? And John not only wants to reassure his readers, but he also wants to warn them about real dangers that have crept into their churches, that have crept into their flocks. John has seen and heard how others have infiltrated the churches, claiming to be from God, but bringing about false doctrines and heresies, trying to bring about this unity and discord in this church. And so he doesn't want, to, want them to be blind to these dangers, but he wants to know how they are to handle these. And so John commands his hearers to challenge these individuals, to test these spirits, because not everyone who claims to speak for God actually speaks for God. Throughout the history of the church, the church has always faced opposition, whether it be through persecution, harassment, lies, misrepresentation, and so on. The church has always been opposed but the truth of the matter is that opposition doesn't always come from the outside. Many times it comes from within. Look what chapter 2 verse 19 says. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be plain that they were not of us. And then in 26 he says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. You see, one of the ways to destroy your enemy is from within. And so we see here individuals who are actually claiming to speak for God, who are claiming to, ha to speak for God, and they present a counterfeit message, a counterfeit gospel. And they're not holding on to the truth as taught by the apostles and confirmed by the Holy Spirit. And the dangerous part of all of this is that it's sprinkled with just enough truth to, just enough truth to distract them from the danger behind this counterfeit message, behind this lie. Uh, I'm reminded, this reminds me of Eve and the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Do you guys remember the story? In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, before Eve was even created, God had commanded Adam, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, this happened before Eve was created. And in Genesis chapter 3, we are brought into this conversation between Eve and the serpent. And the first thing that the serpent tried to do was to try to cause Eve to doubt the very words of God. Listen to what Genesis chapter 3 says. It says, Now the serpent was crafty, was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of, the, eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree 
was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. You see, the serpent presented Eve with just enough truth to make it sound good, to make it sound genuine, to make it sound tempting, and to distract her from the very consequences of disobeying God, consequences that would ultimately lead to death. And that's what John is doing here. John is telling his churches, these people, you can't just say yes and amen to everything that sounds right. You, You can't just agree with everything, but you must test and see if it is actually from God, if it's actually right. And if we remember, Paul gave a similar warning to the leaders in Ephesus. He says, you don't don't have to turn there, but in in Acts chapter 20, verse 29, he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men, speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. You see, the danger was actually clear and present. And if we're honest, we've seen similar things in our own days, haven't we? Individuals who claim to speak for God, proudly giving themselves the title of prophet and apostle, and they claim to have this special message from God, this special revelation. But when pressed closely, their message contradicts the clear teaching of Scripture. And so one sign of maturity, one one sign of growth in your faith, is actually being discerning with what is being said. We must weigh what we hear against the truth revealed in Scripture. Because there are two dangers here. One danger is that you agree with everything, but you're not sure, you're uninformed of what God actually says. And so someone says something that sounds biblical, that sounds truth, and you give your yes and amen, and then you realize that what you just said yes and amen to contradicts Scripture. And then there's another danger here, one of being skeptical about everything. So you listen to no one. You, you privatize your faith, right? You isolate it. And, and you don't listen to anyone who God has placed in your, in your life to actually train you, to encourage you, to, to guide you. Forgetting that it was God who gave the apostles and the prophets. It was God who gave the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. In order to do what? In order to equip the saints. That's Ephesians chapter 4. Both of these dangers are wrong and must be avoided. I remember when I was young, my dad, he asked me once, he said, Javi, how do you know that what I'm teaching you about God in the Bible is true? That question kind of took me by surprise a little bit. Well, you're my dad. Why would you lie to me? But I remember him telling me I could have the best intentions and still be wrong. I could have the best intentions and still be wrong. He didn't want me to accept something as truth just because he was my dad, because he could be mistaken. And he didn't want me to accept something as truth just because of who the individual was saying it, because they could be wrong and mistaken. He wanted me to learn and study for myself and to test and see if what he or anyone else was saying was actually true. Again, because the consequences of believing a lie are eternal. And that is what John is doing here. John is commanding them, test the spirits because not all spirits are for God. There are counterfeit spirits out there. And John reminds us again that we can discern between the spirits through their message and confession of Jesus Christ. 
But then this raises a question, doesn't it? This raises a question, how are we to test these spirits? So in step two, we'll look at how are we to test these spirits? Being commanded to test the spirits, John now tells them how they are to test these spirits. Look with me at verses two and three. Verses two and three. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and that now is in the world already. You see, John lays down one criterion for testing the spirits. Now, I want to be clear that it is not the only test there is, but it is one that is significant. Because to fail this test would mean automatic disqualification. And it would prove beyond the shadow of a doubt what spirit is at work here. So John states this test in two ways. He states it positively and then he states it negatively. Again, first positively stated in verse 2. He says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And the same test stated negatively. He says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Again, it's one test. But it's an important test because this is how you know which spirit you're dealing with. You see, the spirit of God will always point to the truth of God. And the truth of God will always point to Jesus as the son of God come in the flesh. Now, some may ask, what's the big deal in denying that Jesus actually came in the flesh? It's not a big deal. Well, actually, it is a big deal because it is through Jesus coming in the flesh that God saved the world. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts this. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Think about it this way. If Jesus never came in the flesh, that means that the requirements of the law have never been kept. And that we are all still dead in our trespasses and sin because all of us have broken that law. If Jesus never came in the flesh, it means that we have no righteousness or holiness without which no one will see God. It means we still have a debt that we owe and one that a just God will require of each and every one of us. It means there's no resurrection to look forward to and there's no peace with God. And to deny this truth of Jesus coming in the flesh would ultimately mean to call God a liar. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, the second half of that verse, it says, Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, listen, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. I mean, this is no small thing. I don't know of many people who would call themselves Christian who would outright call God a liar. But many times by the things we choose to believe or not believe, we effectively call God a liar. You see, to believe in God is not just to believe that God exists. Many people believe in the existence of God and will remain and will be in hell separated from him for all eternity. Because to believe God means to believe what he says. It means to 
to truly believe God, it requires us to truly believe God. That all that God says is true because all truth is found in him. And that is what faith is. When my girls were young, I would ask them, girls, is, is there anything that God can't do? They said, no, God can do all things. Uh, no, he can't. He can't lie. And so to deny this truth would be to effectively God call, uh, to God, call God a liar, which is impossible for God to be. So again, though this test seems simple, it's crucial because it is a dead giveaway. You see, Satan has always tried to counterfeit what God does. God provides a Messiah, and Satan provides an Antichrist. God provides a Savior, and Satan provides an accuser. God provides salvation for the world, and Satan provides condemnation through the world. And so naturally, the spirit of the Antichrist will oppose the truth of God, and it will oppose it with just enough truth, just enough force, To make us doubt the very words of God. Many individuals in John's days were claiming to speak for God. Claiming to have a new revelation from God. But at the same time, they were denying God's truth. Again, even in our day, we have many preachers, teachers, evangelists, televangelists who are preaching false doctrines. These individuals working in the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of confusion and error. They might sound and look like true Christians. But again, when pressed, you see that they have a different message, a a counterfeit gospel. You see, John taught that there would be an individual who comes called the Antichrist who will oppose God. But he says in the meantime, his spirit is already at work here. And he's been working for a long time. Again, one of the the tests that you that you know that you're a true Christian is have and have come to know God and are in the light is are you holding on to the truth of God as revealed in scripture and confirmed by the Holy Spirit and not deviating from that truth. Now more than ever with the abundance of information at our fingertips, uh, think about how easy it is right now to just get on your phone and Google search anyone or anything. Right? You can search different pastors and preachers who preach different messages, messages of a watered-down gospel where the requirements of God are done away with because God's greatest desire for you is your happiness. And if what you do contradicts what God says, they tell you it's no big deal. God is a God of love, and he will never get in the way of your happiness. Follow your heart. Listen to what 2 Timothy Chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 3 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth. Today, anyone with a Facebook, Twitter, or any social media platform can declare themselves an expert on anything, no matter what the subject is, even if they don't know what they're talking about. And so this message of testing the spirit is just as relevant today as it was back then. And again, with all this information at our fingertips, it's easy to see how fear can begin to creep in, isn't it? I mean, imagine this young church that John is writing to, how they feel with everything that they have been taught, how it's being challenged, right? John is an old man now, 
the, the apostles are dead and dying. New, new individuals are coming into the church, bringing something new. And so it's easy to see, you know, what is going on here? And, and the truth of the matter is that sometimes we can feel like that, right? We, we can feel confused. I mean, how do we know that we're not being deceived? How do we know that we're not buying into a lie? Is it even possible to know truth in an ocean of lies? See, these are the questions that they struggled with, and these are the questions that we struggle with. And so John, having commanded them to test the spirits and telling them how they are to, tell, uh, to test the spirits, now he reminds them of something important, something crucial that would help give them confidence and assurance. And he says to them, you have overcome the world. You have overcome the world. Step three, overcoming the world. Look with me at verse four, and, four through six. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. They speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now this is a very important reminder for them and for us. Because to overcome means to conquer. It means to prevail. Again, John says, you are from God. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You have overcome. God is greater than Satan. And the truth is greater than the lie. Because when we're with God, God seals us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul put it like this. In him you also, when you heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That's in Ephesians. And John puts it this way. John says, and by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. So that the Holy Spirit is the gift of God for all of God's children. And one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate truth to us, to guide us in our truth. Jesus said in John chapter 14, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then he goes on to say in chapter 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. It is the spirit of God that enables us to be grounded in God's truth. What John is saying is, hey, those false prophets, those false teachers, they weren't able to persuade you. They, they weren't able to deceive you with their lives because these truths that they have been taught and that they have held down to by the power of the Holy Spirit has anchored them, right? Like, in, like an anchor in the sea of lies. Yes, the spirit of the Antichrist is real and it's powerful in its deception. I mean, it, many false victims to it. You, you don't have to look far to see how the spirit of the Antichrist has brought about chaos and destruction in our world around us with its lies, with its manipulations, with its influences. And the sad part is that those lies, influences, manipulations have also crept into many churches. But again, he says, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. 
If, if you are in God, God himself will lead you in all truth. Look with me at verses four through, uh, I'm sorry, verses five and six. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, John is clear here. He says that those false prophets, those false teachers are from the world. They speak from the world and the world listens to them. But why is that? Why does the world listen to them? Because the world knows its own. And the world listens to its own. When the false prophets and teachers begin to speak, it awakens in its, a sin in its hearers. The, the sin resonates with what it hears and it draws the individuals to them. They hear this familiar voice and they follow it because it speaks truth to their desires, to their passions, to their lusts, to, to their rebellion. And so they eagerly hear this message. But again, in verse 6, John says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. He says, we are from God. And it is those that listen to us that are the ones that actually know God. You see, John here changes. He changes from talking about those who are speaking to those who are listening. And John says, what John says again is very clear. Those that know God listen to us. Those that do not know God do not listen to us. There is no confusion or ambiguity here. John is very clear of what he means. It is not just, again, those who are speaking, but those who are listening and approving this message that give evidence to which spirit is at work here. Scripture teaches us that when we have turned to Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and as our Lord and Savior, we are given a new nature. We're given new passions and we're given new desires. The, the old has passed, the new has come. We, we're new creatures. You see, this is the truth. We will always be drawn to the things that speak to our passions and our desires. And so now, with these new passions and these new desires, we eagerly listen to God's truth. And we recognize its voice. That is why John is able to say this. John is not being arrogant. John is not talking about himself for himself on his own authority. No, John is speaking for God based on the authority given him by God through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I mean, notice that both voices speak truth to the individual. They speak to the nature, the desire, and the passions of the individual. However, one voice speaks genuine truth as founded and grounded and the God of truth in Scripture. And the other voice speaks a counterfeit truth, which is grounded in the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of error. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Those who belong to God are indwelt with the Holy Spirit who testifies to the truth of God. This is how we know those prophets and teachers who are from God, because the voice is familiar to us. We listen to it, and we obey it. I'll close with this. Here we have a call to be discerning, to test the spirits and hold on to the truth of God as revealed in Scripture. 
so that we're not easily tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful spirits, right? Ephesians chapter 4, 4, 14. And so we are to grow in discernment. But how are we to grow in discernment? One author puts it this way. Since the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the surest way to become wise is to pursue the knowledge of God, listen to this, as we come to know more about Him, more about God, the foundation for wisdom becomes firmer in our lives, and we grow in our ability to discern things according to His revealed truth. So brothers and sisters, are you able to recognize God's voice in the midst of noise, all the noise around us, all the lies? Do you pursue knowledge of God? Do, do you desire to grow in wisdom and discernment? Because we can grow and we must grow through the faithful reading, preaching, and teaching of God's word. We grow by asking God to help us and through the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us, again, that is greater than anyone or anything in the world. Let us be people of the word who love God and obey his commands, who love one another and who hold on to the truth of God no matter what the cost. Now, I recognize that there might be others of you here who are, who are new. Maybe, maybe you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ yet for the forgiveness of your sins or as your Lord and Savior. And you struggle with some of these truths that you hear because there's so many voices around you telling you different things. I encourage you, test everything. Ask questions. Find someone in this church who can sit with you and answer your questions, who can help you with your doubt. I encourage you, if you're new again, join Bible studies. Listen to faithful preaching. Read the Word. And search out the truth for yourself. I encourage you to seek truth and desire to know it with all of your heart. And you will find him as he leads you in all truth. What is truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So friend, come to Jesus and find truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word that you've not left us on our own. You've been with us this whole time and you've gifted us the Holy Spirit to guide us in truth, Lord. And there is a lot of voices, there is a lot of confusion out there, Lord, that would distract us from your truth. God, I pray that each and every one of us here, that you give us desires for you, Lord. That you give us desire to grow in wisdom and discernment, Lord. That that you would grab a hold of our hearts, Lord, and give us desires to love you more than we ever have. Thank you that you guard us, that you'll continue to guard us, and you'll guard us until the day that you come back. In Jesus' name, amen.